You are now listening to The Model Mindset. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We are very honored to have retired Marine Corporal Noah Cass on the podcast today. Now, before we get into the podcast, we did want to have a little bit of a disclaimer for you guys. Some of the content on today's podcast uh, could be a little disturbing to some viewers. We want to make sure that you guys understand that before playing it either in your cars or around your kids or or even if you have a hard time listening to some maybe sensitive topics involving the war and the battles that went on, we wanted to give you guys a heads up and make sure that you were aware that there could be some sensitive subjects and sensitive stories in this podcast before you turned it on and listened. We were very honored to have Noah on today to sit down and speak with us about life as a Marine from his days enlisting moments before September 11th to boot camp to his multiple deployments and all the things that happened in between with Noah. He also has a film out called Tougher Than a Tank that goes over his brotherhood with his former Marine, Eddie, and their run from Summers, Connecticut, all the way to Lake George to see Eddie and help raise money for the medical needs that Eddie had. This was such a great podcast where we were so lucky to have Noah on. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. And of course, we want to say happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans out there. Thank you. All right, guys, welcome back. We are joined today by Noah, and we are really happy to do this episode today because we are doing a very special episode on Veterans Day today. That's right. And there's no better guest to have. We've been trying to get you on for a little while now. It's been a while. The schedule's schedule's (laughs) been bouncing around. It's been bouncing around. We're happy to finally get you on, man. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we have a lot we want to cover today. You know, there's, there's many things that you've gone through in your life that obviously will pertain to our topic today and it being out on Veterans Day, obviously, but um, you got a great background. You've done a lot. You've been a lot of places. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to make you list all of them here, right? Some but stuff. you've done yeah. some stuff, <laughs> yeah. but you are a Marine. Yes. Um, when did you and why did you enlist in the Marines? So I knew in high school, probably my freshman year, that I didn't want to go to college. And I knew that I wanted to join the military. I just didn't know what branch. Mm. Um, I mean, you look at pictures of me as a kid and I have like the West Point mm. sweatshirt and the army club, and we played army and did all that stuff, which was interesting. My dad being a minister. Oh, uh, really? And my yeah. mom, a social worker. So it's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have guns in the house, but we had sticks. That looked yeah. Like right. Guns. But, um, I, it was, I had a neighbor that joined the Marines mm. and, uh, even though he told me not to join the Marines and not to go infantry. I was like, I saw what he did and like read more into it. Mm. And then the recruiters sell you on everything. So I went, talked to them. He's like, dude, you're a sophomore. You got to wait. You got to come back, come back. And uh, I joined the Marines in the delayed entry program. So you are, I think you're eligible for it just after your junior year ends. And you join, you enlist, finish your senior year, and then you go to boot camp. So I joined uh, September 4th, 2001. So a week to the day. Are wow. you kidding me? Wow. Yeah. wow. Then, and I never realized that until a few years ago. I was looking at my um, discharge paperwork. Yeah. And it, ta- and, and it might have been my enlistment, but I have all of it. But I looked at the date and I was like, wow. That week to the day, I That's wild. went to Mass and joined enlisted. Yeah. And it was, I 
think at that time I already knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then 9-11 happened and it was just like not even throwing gas on the fire. It was yeah. like a tanker truck crashing into it. Right. And I was like, let's go. I yeah. want to go yeah. right. And my recruiter's like, no, buddy, you got you to yeah. finish so it, high that, school. That, yeah. that didn't like scare you at all. Like no. that was like no, even more like, let's do it. Yeah. Wow. And it, and it wasn't yeah. You got even, some nuts, buddy. I know. <laughs> well, it wasn't even like a, a want to fight. Of yeah. course, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, this is what my calling is, at least right now. Yeah. And this is what it's asking me to do. Mm. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to wait, and I had to wait. And I'm glad I did. But we, yeah, I went I went a week, no, three weeks after high school graduation. Yeah. I left for boot camp. And Where was boot camp? Paris Island, South Carolina. Uh, and, like, what was your parents' reaction like? Because, I mean, I could just, you know, I have two boys. They're very young. Yeah. Were they trying to change your mind at all, or your mind was made up that just like all right? They knew that my mind was made up, mm -hmm. hundred percent. My mom still made me take the SATs. Mm -hmm. She made me look at school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of go through the motions. Yeah, yeah. and I maybe don't, he'll change his mind. <laughs> I don't know if she told people to talk to me about it, but people in town, you know, Summers is a small town. People would come up even at the dump and be like, "Hey." You know, you could be an officer. You could go to college. You could do that. And then, yeah. like, I remember halfway through my enlistment, I was like, man, I should be an officer. Mm. I should have gone to college. But then I'm like, no, no, that's yeah. not for me. Right. Yeah. So they, they were hesitant. But when I joined, I was 17. So they had to sign for me to sign. Yeah, true. And they did. I mm. mean, it took, it didn't take convincing. I think they just, they knew that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And ultimately, they, they kind of knew that that was the best thing for me. Yeah. 9-11 hadn't happened yet. Keep that in mind. True, so, true. So how, I mean, how was their reaction then when 9-11 happened, knowing you enlisted? Uh, I think... Scared shitless, probably? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? That's, like, that's everything, better, everything yeah. changes on the perimeter, probably, for yeah, you. Yeah, that was... But that's the thing when you're the person that's enlisted or the person in the military, the person there or whatever... You don't think about all that. Mm. It, you get so mission focused, and then my mission was graduating, which I scraped by. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to maintain eligibility for lacrosse, and I needed to graduate. That's yeah, pretty yeah. much all I did. Right. Yeah. And you know, you don't pay attention to all the other stuff. And I didn't realize how much goes on being the person home. Like I had a good friend after I got out. I had a friend that deployed from town, and. I was finally seeing that side of it mm -hmm. and it wasn't even, it's not my kid. Yeah. Right. I can't even imagine that, but I was like, Oh, I'm so helpless. Like, right. And part of it was I had just been there. So I'm like, I, I should be there. No, I shouldn't. Like, yeah. My yeah. time was done. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I, you get that, that FOMO of all oh, like the, the good stuff, but there's a lot of bad stuff that comes with it too. Right. And yeah. And you kind of are thinking maybe of your experiences you yeah. know, good and bad, but obviously for the bad when you're going, oh man, like I wish I was there to help them or whatever, right? Yeah, but gotcha. you know, I got out for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I just needed to remind myself. I still remind myself. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So, no, can you talk us about? So you were at Paris Island. Yep. Um, can you kind of walk us through that experience and then your deployment? And the yeah. reason why, and I hope you're cool with it, um, is because you know, John and I, a lot of people don't know exactly what deployment is like. You yeah. know, whether it be in Iraq. Afghanistan what is that entire experience like all right 
So two parts. We'll yeah. Look at, we'll look at boot camp. Okay. And Paris Island, and there's a boot camp in San Diego. And the Marines are really good at making Marines. It, it's down to a science. And while you're there, it's just mayhem. The first, like from receiving, when they get on the bus, I'm sure everyone has that video in their head of like mm. someone getting on just screaming. Mm-hmm. And they do. <laughs> and then it just gets worse. <laughs> and then it gets worse. So they're just trying to break worse. you mentally. That's all they're doing. Yeah. And like the first few days, you don't sleep because mm. they're just, it's like in processing and you get, you get your hair cut, like the, the full metal jacket. Yeah, your yeah. Head. Like it, it's legit. It's that same really? barbershop and yeah. they do not care. Yeah. Like they're not JV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, not, they're yeah. just ripping Shout your hair out. out. Yeah, they right. do yeah. not care. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's just miserable. But at the same time, you like you, I was loving it. I was yeah. in good shape. Yeah, and I knew I was pretty tough mentally, so I was like, as long as I can pass things, mm-hmm. which I think I can, I'll be good. Yeah. yeah, and we just, I knew our graduation date, so I just kept that in my head. It was like, this is Ooh. what I wanted to do. That's very good. This it's is good. You need to, and at the end, you graduate or right before you graduate, they give you the Eco Globin anchor, so you officially become a Marine. And I don't think I'm alone. I'm pretty sure every other guy in that squad bay would like. There were times where you just like, uh, you could just feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all. I just need to get through this. Right. Mm-hmm. I need to get through this smoke session. I need to get through this run or this whatever you were doing. Yeah. And they, they, they just, they break just about everybody. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even if they don't break you, they break you down enough. And I think if they don't break you, like I was never fully like mentally just, I, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. They bring you down enough. And you are there for the right reason that you're like, okay, this is the game I need to play. Mm-hmm. And you play it and you, and you go through and it, that's part of what makes Marines Marines. Like yeah. If you, you just misery loves company. <laughs> yeah. And you're miserable a lot. Yeah. And it's, there's people from all walks of life yeah. that you're just looking at them like, how the hell did I end up here with this dude? Yeah. <laughs> like naked. Right. Staring at some random guy. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh yeah, we're here to do this. Right. Yeah. And it's a lot of it's funny after the fact. Sometimes in the like they just they have so many games mm-hmm. and they play every single one. And yeah, it breaks you down. And I know I'm circling around that, but it's like they're so good at it. Mm-hmm okay that's not gonna work for you i'm gonna try this mm-hmm. and i'm gonna pt you to death oh you're a pt stud well i'm just gonna play mind games with you yeah and i'm gonna do this oh you're not good at either i'm doing both and they so just, they just find the weakness boom boom yeah. boom yeah. boom 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 and then all of a sudden like three or four weeks in you're looking around and you're like oh that guy's not such a shitbag anymore right I'm, right i'm doing this right and we're actually marching together yeah, and that guy who was afraid of even holding a rifle is now like manhandling it, mm-hmm. and then by the time you get to like, it's twelve weeks, thirteen ish with receiving. By the time you get to the end, you're like, you know, it, you, you're a marine. Like yeah, you walk yeah. tall. And yeah, you're, you're, your shit doesn't stink, and yeah. you're just going. Yeah, and, and everyone feels that. Yeah, and they they say every marine's a rifleman, and as an infantryman, I have a little bit of an issue with that, but, <laughs> but they train 
I feel like the Marine Corps trains everyone very much the same, mm-hmm. basically. So you get that patrol kind of instinct once you get out of there and go to different schools. But you know that everyone's there to become a Marine. You're miserable for as long as you they want you to be miserable for, yep. and you just, people start leaving. They get whatever, they get hurt. Refu- like refuse to train, which I don't even know where they go. They just disappear. <laughs> They're just gone. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? Where do you go? <laughs> yeah. And then like three weeks later, when you guys are getting ready to graduate, you see him walk by. You're like, that guy's still here? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's rubbing his eyes. seeing sunlight with yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The, the fastest way off Paris Island is to graduate. Because yeah. if you get recycled or go anywhere else, you're staying there longer. So it was, but they break everyone, everyone down to an extent. Mm-hmm build everyone back up and that camaraderie is just so powerful and and so that's where like the bonds begin to form that's where the bond begins and yeah. it gets even more so especially for the combat arms units once you get in the unit yeah it's i mean it's not hazing it's education yeah so they you they'll pull you in but you know you leave paris island a basically chain, trained marine and everyone is the same they've gone through the same stuff and Mm -hmm. the other branches are the same to an extent and then after that you go to non-infantry people go to marine combat training and it might have changed a little bit since i was there but they go through i think it's like a three-week course and then they go off to their individual job schools infantry you go right into the school of infantry where the first half is common skills so you're doing land navigation um, you're learning a little bit of all the weapon systems, rifles, machine guns, mortars, anti-tank stuff, um, all of that. And then there's the job breakdown. So you kind of put down a wish list for what you want to do. And part of that is based on like your GT score, your your SATs for the military score. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll put stuff on a wish list and they're like, no, it's <laughs> not happening. Yeah. Like it used to be, uh, the anti-tank guys, they wanted people with a higher GT score because they have to learn so much so quickly. And a lot of it isn't the weapon system. It's more the um, vehicle familiarization. Mm-hmm. Like they need to ve- ID vehicles like, mm-hmm. so they don't shoot friendly vehicles. But mm-hmm. if you're thinking you're working with a multinational force, that multiplies how many vehicles you're seeing. So it's ultimately in Iraq and Afghanistan Afghanistan, you saw like a Toyota Hilux with a 50 on the roof. Or like Iraq, by the time we got there, our air assets had already demolished pretty much everything that mm. they had. It's like, hey, that's a T-80. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. the bits. Yeah. There's the hull. There's yeah. the turret. Right, right. But And then, so I, I was like, I want to be a machine gunner. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all my friends became mortarmen. Most of them mm-hmm. yeah. became mortarmen, which is pretty cool. So what's mortarman? Mortarman is the tube that the, you drop they a mortar off. down. Gotcha. There's a pin at the bottom, and it hits it and goes. And gotcha. there's, there's a lot to them, and it is a pretty cool weapon system. Mm. But it's I wanted they're an indirect fire unit, so mm-hmm. it's like by design they're in the back, so they're shooting rounds over you. Yeah, landing. I was like, I want to be a machine gunner. Mm. If this is what I'm doing. I want to do that. Mm. And so what is your responsibility as a machine gunner? So 
lay down a lot of fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. There's like a machine gunner's creed. I was about to start reciting it, but I don't remember the whole thing. <laughs> but it's basically like we will uh, kill our enemies in droves. Like it's it's this whole and. So the Marine Corps is a culture, the infantry is a culture, and then like machine gunners just become this like it's you're a goon. Mm-hmm. Like you just love machine guns yeah, and yeah. machine gun gunnery. It's just like this mm-hmm. crazy thing. And in a line unit, so like the rifle units, uh, a machine gunner is more of like a support by fire. So they'll set up as the assault goes through, they'll set up security positions so they can provide overwatch and they can provide overhead fire. And then they all set up for ambushes and stuff. I was in a heavy weapons company, so I was on top of a truck. I had a 50 cal, uh, a Mark 19, which is an automatic grenade launcher. It shoots a 40-millimeter grenade. And then I, my favorite is the M240. It's a medium machine gun. It's what the Marine Corps used to replace the M60. Wow. And that was my favorite. Uh, that's what I used my second deployment. The first, mm-hmm. in 2003, we only had usually you have a 50 cal and a mark 19 we got shipped out early we only had a mark 19 so that's what we used um and then my second deployment i had we had a 240 i was kind of a we can get into that when we get into my deployments um i was kind of a jack of all trades mm-hmm. somewhat for our second deployment because i was moved to a headquarters company where i was or headquarters platoon where i was the police sergeant so logistics I fell under the operations chief, so he would get a mission set or a mission plan, figure out what we need, he would acquire what he could, and I would like fill in the rest. Mm. It's kind of like a good place to be because you're on your own, and if you're kind of slick and you can acquire things <laughs> really well, yeah. it's a good spot for you to be. So yeah. they kind of threw me in there, and I was hesitant at first, but I liked it, so yeah. I stayed. It worked out for me because I wasn't set in a platoon for missions. So on our base, we had in my company, we had two platoons, that two mobile assault platoons that went out. And if they had an empty gun, I would go. Okay. So I could pretty much run double missions. So Warpig, we were the weapons company of Warpig. So Warpig 2 would go out mm-hmm. and I'd say, hey, do you guys have an open seat, open gun? Yeah, cool. And I'd go. And then... Warpig 3, do you have anybody? And I only went with Warpig 3 a handful of times. They were like, yeah, we have a spot in the gun or a spot. Mm-hmm. And I would go. So it was it was cool. Um, for like their big missions, they stuck within their platoon because they trained together so much. Yeah. yeah. That, so it was easier for me to fit in in a gun on top of a truck because I, I knew what to do yeah. and where to be. So that, that worked. Um, we talk about deployment life. Every deployment's different mm-hmm. yeah it's when was your first deployment 2003 so at school of infantry my class actually graduated two weeks early so i never officially qualified on the mark 19 or the 50 cal mm-hmm. we were on the 50 cal range when our company first sergeant came out and he said hey pack all your shit up uh tomorrow you guys are going to out process from us and you're going to a unit at camp lejeune and we were like and where's camp lejeune it's in North Carolina. So School okay. of Infantry's in North Carolina, right yeah. down the street from Camp Lejeune. Okay. We came home on leave for Christmas from School of Infantry. We had orders to Hawaii. Wow. That was where, if you were active duty, pretty much all of us were 
that company was slated to go, all right, you guys are all going to Hawaii. Yeah. So we were all like, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, right, right, third right, Marines, yeah. we're going to be out in Hawaii. We're going to be three years. It's going to be great. He came in. He's like, yeah, you're going up the street. Like, Camp yeah. Lejeune, which Camp Lejeune was cool. We had a lot of fun there. Um, but, yeah, we graduated early from leaving the field to getting on ship in Virginia was like, I don't even think it was five days. Really? Like it, we got out of the field, out processed. They handed us our school of infantry diplomas. Like we were sitting on our sea bags ready to leave. They're like, here you go, here you go, here you go. Like no official. <laughs> it was like, here you go, there you go, there you go. <laughs> got on a bus, went up the street, got off the bus at Camp Lejeune, and they had a list. They were like, went down the list. They're like, Cass, Carter, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Went through the names. Weapons Company, India Company, Kilo Company, you're going here. So I went to 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, Weapons Company. And I was like, this is what the Marine Corps is like. This is what it's always like. It's right. what I thought it was. It's right. not even close. But I was like, this is awesome. We're going to war. This is just what Marines do. Yeah. We put our packs together the day we left to get on the ship. Like, we get your packs come in pieces. So we all met in the common area in the barracks put all our stuff together, put stuff in it, had like a couple hours of liberty time, and then we got on the buses and left. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Went to Virginia, got on the USS Kearsarge, sailed out. What? And we were all like, yeah, man, this is pretty cool. Like, what's, right, what's, right, yeah. what's happening? So Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it seems like everything's happening so fast, and it you're did, not really quite sure what is just, happening. Just, it was... A whirlwind and then you're on ship and everything slows down yeah the ship time is and we did a lot of training um we ran on the flight deck i don't even know how many times just circles and yeah. circles and circles and we, there was a weight room we did all that now are you getting orders to like do to train and to do all these they, things or are you guys kind of like all right let's do this let's do this no there's it's a very set okay so okay. we have like i was low man on the totem pole. Mm. I was the assistant gunner, the A gunner in the truck that I got assigned to. And the two guys that were in my truck were like deep southern. One, I think his call sign was Big Country. (laughs) (laughs) Bucket, my boy Bucket. He took care of me so much. And then our driver was this guy, Monroe, who was from North Carolina. Um, And then there's me, like a new guy. Usually Mm. there's four guys in the truck there were three in ours we didn't have a real like radio attached we had a separate radio that we had to change batteries on it wasn't hooked up to the truck which isn't right yeah we that's how we went through our deployment and so there's our truck and then there's a section and then there's a platoon and then a company so on ship all of our stuff came from the company down and it was really the platoon, but the company commander would be like, I want you guys training on this, you guys training on this. And our sergeants and above would develop whatever they wanted to do. Right. And we'd do, it was tough. We did like a lot of armor ID, like the stuff I said you need to be smart for. Yeah. Everybody had to do it. So I was like, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, you have a grenade launcher. Like, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'll learn this stuff. Probably yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> Can I take this sheet with me? Right. Yeah. Truck? Right. Yeah. But it was, no, we did all that stuff. And then we did um, learning to disassemble and assemble machine guns. Like with, uh, you had goggles and you pull a sock over the goggles so you couldn't see. Mm-hmm. You're doing it blindfolded. So you're doing all that stuff. Just 
that's just another miserable time being on ship. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're with, you end up being with your boys. So yeah. right. when you're miserable, it's kind of, I always equate it to even boot camp and training and just being on ship and being on crappy deployments. It's like you think back to a sports team where you guys are doing suicides forever mm-hmm. or you practice in the rain and it mm-hmm. was miserable. It's like that and it builds that camaraderie, but it's not a game that's on the line. Like yeah. It's your life. It's yeah. their life. So it brings it even more and we just, we got off ship. We sat in Kuwait for, I think, about a month and then we moved up to the Iraq border. And we did a bunch of training in the desert in Kuwait Moved up to the Iraq border and then rolled oh, right. Yeah. Wow. And that, like, it was pretty anticlimactic. Was <laughs> it? Like, yeah. We were all, like, in my head, I'd built it up. Like, yeah, we're going to go storming well, I mean, that's what you think. I mean, but, you see right. the movies, there was, you know. Yeah. No. There was a big hole in the berm that, like, I think Army Corps of Engineers or some engineers had just yeah. cleared it out, filled in the, the holes, and we just drove through. And we were like... We just invaded a country. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, I'm 18 years old. Yeah, just right? rolling through. And it, it was... Oh, my God. So we man. lived... After we left Kuwait, we lived in our trucks for four months. Really? Because like, we... I mean, we would get out and dig... Uh, like, a, it's called a slit trench or a ranger grave. It's not a full fighting position. It's just enough to get you below ground level yeah below mm-hmm. that surface so if like a mortar hits you're kind of safe from ish from yeah. it um we would dig those sometimes my driver liked to sleep on the hood mm-hmm. uh a lot of times i just slept inside and we had so many cans of 40 mic mic grenades like in there that i was like my head was in between ammo cans and i just slept on the metal oh for four God. months yeah and we i mean yeah <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna yeah. can't dress it up yeah, yeah, it was, right. that's pretty much what happened yeah so what, now, was, what was it like your first live action like where you actually had to prepare for I don't want to say battle but prepare for combat combat, combat yeah. yeah so I mean you would think it would be when we were going a- across the border right yeah. and yeah. it wasn't like we drove through the desert for a few days. There were a couple times where um, some, they ended up being inert missiles mm-hmm. hit near us or rockets. I think they were unguided, so rockets. But the fear with Saddam at that time was yeah. chemicals. Yes. So if a rocket hits the ground and there's no real explosion, you're thinking something's getting it. So they called, they say gas, gas, gas. And everyone throws a gas mask on. Mm. And we're like, holy shit, like we just we're in a chemical attack. Right, right. Yeah. And then everyone's like, one of the things is if you smell flowers, it's a certain gas. And you, you smell flowers? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody smelled flowers. Yeah. We smelled like crap. We hadn't yeah. showered in forever. Right. And you were, we were in mop suits. I forgot about that. Chemical suits that are like a charcoal liner. It's supposed to keep you safe. We wore those for like six weeks straight. Mm-hmm. Oh, like gosh. didn't take them off. That yeah. was disgusting. But we had gas called on us a few times. And, I mean, I never had to be the guy that does, like, the selective unmasking. It's, like, the, the lowest man on tour right. that, like, breaks the seal. And they're, like, take a breath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, right. All right, no, he's we're good. good. We're, yeah. I was never that guy. Yeah. So, 
thank God. Yeah. But yeah, so that happened to us, and that wasn't like that was just weird more than anything. Yeah. Like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Um, we went to Nazaria. Um, was we went to I think we went to the western side of the city and set up like a big blocking position, and our whole battalion was online, blocking one side of the city. So we're sitting there. And it comes over the radio that there's a pickup truck with a bunch of uh, Fedayeen, like soldiers, Iraqi soldiers, mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of weapons in a truck. So, like, you have a thousand Marines that haven't slept. Like, we're all, we all took pop nodos for like three days to get there. So, we're all like, yeah, right. yeah. edged out. Like, yeah. Oh, there's, there's going to be a truck. It's going to, we're going to light it up. And yeah. they're all like, no, we're like, we're not going to unleash a battalion on a truck. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, we're sitting there. And we see headlights coming up the road, and we're all blacked out. So I, I don't think they saw us. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's a battalion, but I don't think they saw us. And out of nowhere, we hear like, like this missile go off. Yeah. What the hell is that? I don't, do you guys know what a javelin is? No, it's yeah. a javelin missile. So it, it goes from a launch unit. The unit will lock onto a target, mm. and you can do direct fire mode where it shoots flat, straight at, yeah. or top fire Mm -hmm. um where which is the weakest part in armor Mm -hmm. this was a pickup truck but like so we see this rocket go straight up Mm -hmm. or this missile go straight up and we're all like oh man one of the tow gunners so tow is what we use it's optically tracked there's a wire attached to it so we had a couple duds Mm -hmm. wait that when they shot them they like one spun like a kickball like a football yeah kickoff Mm -hmm. one just (laughs) Ended up on the hood. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> we slowly getting. But our trucks weren't even armored at that point. So we're like, oh, oh this is even worse getting in here. Right. Yeah. One just flew out into the sand. One just like hooked a right and mm-hmm. just kept going. And we thought it was just, oh, an errant toe. Yeah. And it kept going, 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 going. And then it just went, whoom, right on top of it. And we were like, oh, that was a jab. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. all of us, like the whole line was like, wow. Yeah. And then they're like, noise discipline. We're like, ah. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> that was awesome. And uh, so that still wasn't, like, it didn't even seem real. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, whoa, that missile just destroyed that truck. Yeah. And whoever yeah. and whatever was in it. Mm-hmm. So then we were retasked. We went south of the city. Nazaria has two bridge systems, and they were vital to our, the whole kind of force to roll north to Baghdad. So we had to block the bridges to keep them open. And you go over one set of bridges and you, first battalion, second Marines was our sister unit. Um, they got, there was a whole bunch of bad stuff that happened. The, uh, I forgot what, March 23rd, maybe. Um, they lost like a whole track, like an Amtrak worth of guys. Just, Jeez. just, it, they, it was a whole lot going on, a whole lot of craziness going on. Like Jessica Lynch, you, you remember Jessica Lynch, the army girl that her convoy got lost. And that sounds familiar. Some of them got, she got taken yeah. as a prisoner of war. Someone else did a whole bunch. We drove past their convoy and we're like, why are there army trucks here? <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody's yeah. north of us. But right, right. There they were. So we roll into where one, two had been and it got dubbed Ambush Alley because it was just, it was insane. Mm-hmm. We sat there and we set in torrential downpours for like two days. The guys that were in the mortar fighting positions were like 
they just filled with water. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky I was in a truck. Yeah. But it was, it was still miserable. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, we had to get out and do stuff. But so that kind of calmed everything for a little while. They still drop mortars. Um, I know our company, someone in it took a mortar round, but the ground was so soft that it absorbed it. Oh, really? So it went in and then just like blew up, but there wasn't really any. Yeah. Um, March 26th, we, there a couple, uh, my section, so there were, I think there were four trucks at that point, got tasked with providing security for the engineers. There was a kind of a side street, a main side street that had a whole bunch of weird, like cementish buildings mm-hmm. on it. And it looked like an old market, but it was like the perfect spot for them to set up ambushes. So the engineers, they have these aces. It's a, a bulldozer that's armored. And they were just running them over. So we provided security for them. I was like, this is this is cool. Yeah. So two, two trucks, we went out on the far end of them. And there was uh, a wall on one side of the, it's probably like a four-lane highway-ish. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a highway. It was just a big road. Right, right. And then an embankment on the other side that went to woods. So two of us, myself and this guy, uh, Pooch, I can't remember. We called Pooch. Mm-hmm. Pooch Alaskas. Um, they were like, hey, go down there, check the tree line quick, come back. So we go down there, and we find, like, a fire where a fire had been. We find, like, a whole bunch of gear. Like, and you could tell someone had just been there. Yeah. And we were like... Uh, there's two of us with no night vision and it was getting dark and we're like, yeah, let's go back up there. Right. And we reported in, but they're really, our anti-tank guys have thermal sites and they were on, it was like a T intersection. So we were on the lower part of the T and they were the upper part. So mm-hmm. they were looking towards us on either side. Right. So they were scanning the trees and didn't see anything on that side. And are you, are you getting that live? They're te- yeah, it's okay. going through the through the truck. Yeah. So we're sitting there, we're doing security, and I keep seeing like I kept thinking that I was seeing shadows move past because in between the the barrier there was like I don't know two inches of space. Yeah. I kept thinking like there's got to something's going on over mm. there. Like it looks like somebody running by, but I can't tell. And the it was so long that you couldn't look on either side. So we were like, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. This guy, Iraqi guy comes walking up the street holding a propane tank, just walking up the road. And we're like, this is not right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. is bad news. Yeah. yeah. So we get in the trucks, and we tell the uh, the aces, the bulldozer guys, we're like, hey, button up. So they button up, and we got, I don't know if it was a mortar it's pretty ballsy for him to be walking with he, a propane well, tank. Well, I'm waiting to hear the end of this. The yeah, reason why this he, motherfucker's walking. Well, he he was uh, mentally okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that's why they picked him. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty low. And they yeah. sent him up holding a propane tank. And I don't know. Somebody said it was a mortar. Somebody else said it was an IED like a roadside bomb. Mm-hmm. But those weren't really a thing until the next year. So it could have been, I don't know, kind of sounded like a grenade. But as soon as that explosion happened, uh, that guy got, he got lit up. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, we can't have this in the middle. And we were trying to tell him like, hey, get out of here, get out of here. That right. hit. And someone uh, someone shot him. 
and we started to peel off so we could open up on the whole tree line because the guys below us couldn't shoot because yeah. we were kind yep. of not in the way but kind of in the way so we start turning and then we start taking a whole lot of fire from the tree line and so your truck is taking on fire our whole the whole section mm-hmm. was they were just and it it was pretty accurate none of our trucks got hit but the the aces because they were just big bolt they were getting lit up mm-hmm. and my gunner pocket had a mark 19 so he had a grenade launcher so he's just like letting them rip yeah and it it makes such a distinct sound it's like dum, 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 mm-hmm. dum. and then you hear the impact yeah so they like it's not like the movies like it's not a big flashy boom yeah when the grenades hit it's like an instant flash yeah and that's it it's not even that big when i was in i can't remember if it was school of infantry or boot camp we, I had an instructor that was like, you're going to shoot so many of these. We, they're Ivan targets or like silhouette targets. The silhouette of a person, like mm-hmm. they're torso and up. Like, you're going to shoot at so many of these. When you, when you get to combat, that's all you see is silhouettes. And I was like, all right, man, like, cool. <laughs> we just kept going. When we were engaging that night, it was like... All you could see was silhouettes mm-hmm. from, and it was from, you would see a muzzle flash and then like the Mark 19, the round would hit and you'd see a flash of a silhouette. Yeah. So it's like, so like, that's what you're aiming at. That's, and it was a split second. So I'd be like, and we didn't have optics like they do now. Like we right. didn't have red dots. It was iron sights. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> like okay. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So it's like, and it's not world war two. Like we don't go and check and do all that. Right. Stuff. Right. Like we went up or we were, uh, egressing and we're doing that we get to the bottom we ended up calling tanks and LAVs which are kind of like tanks but they have tires and they come in and they have 25 millimeter Bushmaster cannons on top and they just lit the tree line up and I like I when that when it all happened it happened so fast mm. but it also happened slow like the guy walking up and yeah must be in, so it was like looking back it was slow but it happened so quickly that afterwards I was like what the hell just happened yeah yeah. and my adrenaline was like my hands weren't shaking but I felt like they should be yeah and I was just like what the hell just happened yeah Yeah. so we pull up the street and one of the uh, sergeants comes up he's like man when that adrenaline dumps like you're gonna he had I think he had seen combat in Kosovo or Serbia some he was an older guy and He's like, when the adrenaline dumps, like, you're going to be... He's like, yeah, all right, whatever. And we get back and set up a blocking position in a safer spot. Mm. And all of us are like, whoa. Yeah. And then it kind of hits, and you're like, man, that was crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I was 18, and I didn't think of, like, anybody dying or anything. Mm, right. It was just kind of like... You still felt almost like, like invincible what? a little bit. Oh, that just made it worse. Yeah, right. Yeah. 100% yeah. made it worse. It was like... Phew, that's that's their best, right? Yeah. Because like Nazaria was supposed to be one of their strongholds and mm. the Fedayeen, like the special <laughs> were like, that's the best they got. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm, that's probably some ragtag dudes, like whatever's left over. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just threw an ambush together. <laughs> right. At a right. Party. And but it's like and that adrenaline crashed. And then I remember just being like, I want to do that again. Mm. Really? But I didn't at yeah. the same time. But I, I wanted see, yeah. to get yeah. right. get hungry for it. And the rest of that deployment wasn't really that kinetic. It was really 
like the first few days, the first week. And then after that, we did kind of like some sustainment stuff. And the Marine Corps, especially the infantry, we're not like an occupation force. That's not what we're meant to do. Mm-hmm. We're meant to, like jokingly, we call each other like shock troops. <laughs> but like that's, we're meant to right. go in, destroy it, take mm-hmm. it over, whatever we need to do, hand it over. Yeah. Like the Army is more of an occupying force. Oh, okay. And so we're just like, we're there and we're, we're not really doing anything mm. anymore. We're like, all right, well, we liberated all of this. So yeah. what do we do now? And we were still in the faith, like the Iraqis still liked us at that point. So that was cool. Yeah. And one of the spots we were at in Numanaya, this guy, he called him English Bob. I don't know if he was a high school teacher or a professor or something. He spoke English. So he would come out and practice his English with us. And they had a farm. So like his family came out with chicken, like they cooked up chicken for us and naan, like their bread and my second deployment, if anyone tried to give me food, I would have been like, the hell out of Well, that was my next question to you, but like, <laughs> like, I was like, uh, yeah. at what point was, do you not trust it, but okay. No, but at that point, it was kind of like, we were like in the shaking hands, kissing babies. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. We did this cool stuff. And then it was weird. Like, as we were getting to leave and we were driving back down to Kuwait, we knew that it wasn't, you know, and we were nobodies as far mm-hmm. as like, we were just tiny, not even cogs in the machine. Yeah. We were mm-hmm. just like a little speck of grease. Mm-hmm. And we knew, we are like, this isn't, we're going to be here for a while. Yeah. Like, it's clearly, because there was no plan. Like, mm-hmm. we went, demolished it, and then they're and like, you okay, what now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, man, I'm out of here. I'm just a machine gunner. Yeah, I'm right. Just, I don't care. <laughs> Have fun. And like, so we left. When we got back to Camp Lejeune, so that was, I turned 19 on my way home. So we get home. And they start, our unit kind of split up and did some anti-terrorist stuff in, like, Djibouti, Africa. Uh, some of them went to Cuba. Some of them went to uh, Afghanistan. I stayed in North Carolina and went to a couple schools. I did, like, an advanced machine gun leaders course and some other little stuff. And it was, as soon as our unit all came back together, they are like, all right, 2005, we're going back to Iraq. And we were like, Okay. Mm-hmm. And the Marine Corps, they're, I mean, they're war fighters. It's what they do. But once you start, see, you wear green camis most of the time in garrison, like back at Lejeune, even in training and all that stuff. When you start your training workup, you switch to desert camis, or we did, because mm-hmm. it's that mindset. Yeah. Right? This is what we're doing. Uh, Everything we're doing is going to be like we're there. Right. Different identity. Exactly. And and it's it's like, yeah, we switched to desert camis and we were like, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, this makes sense. And then we did some pre-deployment workup training, which was some of the Camp Lejeune stuff was miserable because it was. uh, But I'll sidebar here quick. That training is what builds that camaraderie. Mm, Yeah. It. We did a, like a 21 or 22 day field op, and for the first 10 days it rained. <laughs> it was, it was awful. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it was day seven or eight. There were a group of us standing around, and we were just standing in a circle, like spitting at each other mm. to see who could get closest without actually hitting. And and it, we were so wet that it didn't even matter if you hit. Them. But we were just like, like you were, it was so we were so shot. And cold and miserable. Yeah. And then the next uh, 
the next training exercise, we all talk like pirates. And <laughs> it drove, even like my gunny started to a little bit and then he caught himself. He's like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> it's funny. Just yeah. do it. Right, like, right. Don't do it on the radio, but talk like a pirate. So yeah. you, we're doing like, we did a, a combat town, which is like a fake little town. And we're doing room clearing and clearing searches and stuff. And I hear people talking like pirates all through the building. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's great. That's and then great. we went to California to do, like, 29 Palms. It's more, it's a desert. And the Mojave Desert. So it's it's desert training. They have a full, um, now, they have a full section that looks like a Middle Eastern city, town. Then when I was there, they that wasn't built yet. So we went to an old air reserve base and did like, you know, searches and that kind of stuff. There, set up vehicle checkpoints and stuff. Did all that sustainment training. Then we went back in 2005, and that was in Alkine. So like, if you look at Iraq, there's that weird kind of L shape on the western side of it. We were right there. So Huseiba was the city that a company reinforced. So one company plus some guys from weapons company went there. And that was that was on the border with Syria. So they were looking mm-hmm. into Syria. Um, that's where uh, my buddy Eddie went. We're, we're going to talk about him later on. Yeah. Uh, funny story about Eddie before our first deployment. He was my, my one of my buddies, uh, probably my best buddy, in... School of Infantry and the machine gun breakdown. We were partners for everything. He used my little flip phone to call home when we got the news that we were deploying. And he, he was talking to his mother, and he was like, yeah, we're going to, like, Kuwait or Iraq or something. And, like, we were just two dumb kids. Like, we yeah. had no clue. <laughs> and he's like, where is Kuwait in Iraq? And I was like, uh, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> God. You're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that just shows like, you, though, like, it we, just didn't matter at that no, point. No, we yeah. didn't care. We were like, we're going here. Yeah. And then, yeah, but he ended up, uh, he was in a sniper section that was at Huseba. The 2005 deployment was a little more settled. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a base to work out of, so we had beds. We had a chow hall. We had a gym. Um, and that would that was more like we go out on a big mission, come back in. Yeah. And then go out for a couple of days, come back in. So, and so you you brought up uh, Eddie, yeah, and how you were very close with Eddie, and you know something happened um, to Eddie. Can you just kind of walk us through your relationship before the incident with Eddie, and like how you found out about that? Yeah. So, Eddie Ryan, Sergeant Eddie Ryan, um, like I just told the story about him, the School of Infantry. We. Uh, Went through School of Infantry together. He went to a line company for our first deployment. He went to Kilo Company. I went to Weapons. Then he did the indoc or like the tryout for snipers, the scout sniper platoon, who ended up being attached to Weapons Company. Okay. So they fell under kind of our umbrella. So Eddie and I were, he made it. He's a badass. Uh, and he was on the, in their sniper platoon. So he was part of the section that went up to Huseba. Um, they were doing like some overwatch on a building. Uh, there was miscommunication. And it's still kind of like a, 
know, he was hit by friendly fire in the face uh, twice. He got shot once here and then once up top with uh, a seven six two round from a machine gun. Jeez. Um, was he the only one that got hit in the... In the then, yeah, yeah, and he he lived. I mean, so yeah. it's... it's yeah. But when it came... So they were out. They were up at Huseba. I was in Alkaim. So we would hear the radio contact, and the medevac helicopters were at our base. And we would hear them spool up or spin up and fly out. So we'd listen to the radio, see where they're going. Because we had like a special forces compound on our base that we, we didn't really do anything with mm. them. Um, it, it, so they would use them often, the medevac guys. So we listened to that, and, and we heard it was snipers, and then kind of the word gets down to us. I'd say within a few hours that it was Eddie and it didn't look good and he left. And for most of our company, I I think some of the snipers might've known that he lived, but it was like in my head, he, like he had died. Yeah. It's like, he got shot in the face. Yeah. Like how do you survive that? Flew out, medevac, like skipped us. Cause we had like a, a trauma center, like, if someone was hurt but not too, too bad, yeah. like they could pretty much package them there and then move them on. Right. They, they were like, he was gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he might have stopped with us. I don't even remember at this point, but it was just like, boom. But we never had like a memorial. Mm-hmm. So I was like, he's, he can't be dead. Yeah. Right. And then we heard like later on that like, you know, he's alive. He's, we don't know what's, what's going to happen. And then it was like, okay, well, we're on deployment. I can't, you can't really think about that. Yeah. It's just right. like, boom. You kind of had to like, put the feelings and emotions aside. Yeah. Because if you get caught up in that, then it kind of, it shifts your focus to not on like the mission, which jeopardizes your life. Yeah. Yeah. And not even mine. It's the people around me. True. You get to that point. It isn't that, I mean, a lot of Marines, and I'm sure I've said it, I'm not afraid of death. I probably said that when I was younger, but it was like, it isn't even a fear or an like not you know, an absence of fear of death. It's just being like, just being okay with it. Yeah. Which is such a difference to say like, I'm not afraid of death. Cool. Yeah. You are. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I chose to do this. This is a possibility. I can't let that crowd my judgment. Mm -hmm. I can't let that in my brain. I'm at peace with it. Yeah. Like it, if that's what happens, that's what happens. Right. Yeah. Boom. And then you keep going. Yep. And then it's weird when stuff happens, like with Eddie. And then, so that was um, April. And then in May, one of my other close friends, um, actually a whole truck from my company, got hit with a VBIED with like, an ungodly amount of explosives. Mm-hmm. Like none of them should have lived. Yeah. And they all did. Really? <laughs> like, Jeez. It like if I can show you guys a picture of the truck, but there's like none of them should have lived. And those medevac birds went out, they came back, and all the guys came out were on our base. So I had not gone out on that. It was a kind of a big operation operation uh, matador. And I had stayed back. And another one of my good friends, Carson, stayed back. 
we're hearing it over the radio and I'm like, we got to do something. We're like, what can we do? And like, there's two of us. We can't just like, yeah, steal yeah. a truck and leave. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. So the medevac birds were coming back. We're like, we're going to go meet the helicopters coming in. We went over there. We gathered like the, all their gear. There's blood all over. I mean, we just gathered all their gear mm. and like looked, you could see in a surgical tent and like, uh, my buddy gas had a piece of shrapnel that went like through his Kevlar into his head and he's alive <laughs> and he's he's an incredible human being mm-hmm. yeah um, my buddy Scott he was he caught shrapnel in his shin and it like went up and down uh, it was mm-hmm. weird so but when I explode? saw him it I think it just hit the bone and fragmented and then just kind of yeah. wherever but when I saw him he was on a litter like off to the side and he like wasn't moving and it didn't go through my head that he was medicated yeah I was just like seems fine he's gone yeah yeah, he's gone like, yeah like that's and then they were like I was like has a leg injury I was like oh alright yeah <laughs> like, uh, but it's it's weird when you look at the trauma later on like you talk oh, about man. like the fragility yeah. of life like how quickly if that truck had gone 30 seconds earlier or if yeah. it was a dud and didn't explode like what would have happened mm. but it was just like you talk about the you know you asked me about the fragility of life but it's also like the fragility of the psyche like, yeah it's, yeah it's your brain can only process so much at a time. So like those guys, uh, one of them, like gas left and the rest of them, some of them left and then came back. Mm-hmm. The guy driving, he was fun. He was out still on the mission. Like wow. <laughs> a piece of shrapnel came through like a huge armor, armored windshield and went past him. And he yeah. Went, like he was fine. Um, but I got, a month later in June when my truck got hit with the mortar. Um, it was like that instant was like, yeah. all right. And, but we were so into it and we had a spotter. So we got mortared. Um, and when, when you're being mortared, you get bracketed mm-hmm. if they're good. Otherwise they're just lobbing rim. So if like, if we're parked mortars, you'll hear the outgoing mortars land here. The next time they, they land, they're in front of you. Mm-hmm. So you're being bracketed. They just get them closer and closer and closer. And we knew Jeez. we were getting bracketed. And yeah. I was like, this is, everybody knew it wasn't good. We yeah. found the spotter. We were all trying to, he, I don't know how he lived through the amount of rounds we put into that yeah. house. They ended up calling rotary wings. So like a helicopter came and just lit it up. Yeah. And then I think they put. So you guys are very fortunate then. Yeah. Like it. So I had a round hit in front of our truck. And I had a piece of shrapnel stuck in the top of my helmet that I didn't even know was there until like, was either, I think it was two days later when we finally like sat down and it yeah. was under the cover. I'm like, what the heck is this? And it was stuck in my helmet. Uh, blew all our tires out, like kind of some pings in the front. Yeah. But that wasn't as bad as, you, like mortars make this crazy whistle sound as they come in. And I heard it, and it exploded in front of me. And then I didn't really hear anything for a little while. Yeah. And one landed behind us closer than that one, but didn't blow up. And I didn't know that until later on. But a mortar came in and hit. And from where I was, I looked over, and my buddy's truck, my buddy Forrest, 
it just disappeared in smoke and dust. We were in like an old graveyard. So it was just, and I couldn't see the truck. And I was like, that truck's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the dust settled and I see Forrest looking over at me. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. But like that for, it took a long time for me to like, and I talked to Forrest a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's still in like part of my brain, the amygdala had like released a little bit of whatever that chemical is right, that right. attaches trauma. And it was yeah. just like, boom, he's dead. he's not though he's right in front of me but still but it's like that weird trauma experience was like it doesn't make sense and I think that's what a lot of guys have trouble with because it's like no he's fine he's Mm -hmm. alive he's right here right right yeah like yeah but there's a part of your brain that never processed that like yeah of course the rest of your brain like took that oh yeah he's alive put that in the file cabinet Mm -hmm. that other part where you saw him disappear yeah still bouncing around in there yeah it took me a while be like he's like I actually needed to say it. Be like he forced is alive. Yeah, that truck's yeah. fine. Yep. And then it was like, oh, all right. But that like that part of it is crazy, and then the combat part of it is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then like so after that happened, a funny part of it, we get off the hill, and we're in like in a field. I have to go to the bathroom, so I go. I'm sitting on a box. Going to the bathroom in the middle of, I'm pooping. Right? <laughs> Thank and you, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit on a box. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm pooping, right? It's just what you do. And, and I hear somebody yell, rocket. And I'm like, what? And I look, and from the city that we were doing Overwatch on, when you, like, you see an RPG, it's like a weird, uh, like a weird kind of a pop, like a smoke mm. coming at you. And I look over and I see it, and I'm like, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've got, this is how I go. Yeah, I'm right. sitting on a box, pooping in just Parabola. A, military yeah. Elvis. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just yeah. like, got to be kidding. And it went right over you. Hit on the other side of the Euphrates River. I was like, oh, oh man. All right, I'm done. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, you got to yeah, right? real quick. Oh, my God. My buddy was like, wait, let me get a picture. And I know. Right. There's a picture of me sitting on a box like, I, I couldn't believe it. But that like that's that's part of the stuff that builds camaraderie. Right, right. You know, it's hard to go from like that story to I that. Know, but I was, like, I was like, gonna I was gonna go I was gonna ask you because you're experiencing like all of these traumatic, you know, experiences. How is it for when you have to like come home? Because it's like you're going from one extreme to now it's like, Oh, you're back home. Yeah. How's everything going? You know? And it, I don't know what it's like now, mm-hmm. but like we came home. It, my first deployment, we had a month on ship on the way home. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a decompression. Half of, not half, most of our fleet had mm-hmm. Liberty ports. So they like went to Spain and Portugal and Italy and they, had, they stopped. We were supposed to go to Malta. Liberia had like the some one of the uprisings within their civil war so we went down our ship was the flagship so we went down to liberia and like a bunch of guys came a bunch of navy seals came on our ship for a few days and then left and we were like cool we missed malta for right whatever you guys did yeah which which i'm sure like in the grand scheme of 
like geopolitics was probably huge. Yeah, yeah, right, but all right. of us were like, you idiots. <laughs> yeah. You and your yeah. beards. Like, get out of here. We're trying to go to Malta. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, so we, that we had that time to decompress. In 05, I came home. And I was advanced party, so I came back two weeks before everybody else. So I came home, and you're like your family's there, and you spend a little time out processing in Kuwait, but not much. You fill out like a double-sided sheet of paper. And it's mm-hmm. like, were you in combat? Were you in direct contact? Did yeah. you see enemy combatants? Did you see dead enemy combatants? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, check, 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 check. You're just yeah. going through this list like mindless. You're like, here you go, doc. Mm-hmm. And you just hand it off. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then you come home, and it's like. You still have that invincible feeling, mm-hmm. like interesting. You hear a lot of. He used to read a lot about like uh, guys would come home from a deployment, die, in a in a car crash, DUI, because mm-hmm. you just you feel like Superman. Yeah, and then you add beer to it, and it makes it even worse. But it's like you just feel invincible. Mm-hmm. But there's so much unsettled stuff mm-hmm. that you're just like. Trying to never process. even unpacked. Yeah. No, at yeah. that point, you're just like pushing it out of like, I'm leaving it all there, yeah. which is impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's some people that can do that. Yeah. Probably to a certain extent, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm sure yeah. at some point it <clears throat> bubbles up. But like, and then you get home and you're like, all right. But I, I was still in. So you're with the same guys that you were with there, and you're telling stories about, oh, remember the time you did that? Oh, remember you were pooping in the yeah. field? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember when uh, War Pig 2 got hit? You're like, oh, yeah, that sucked. Yeah. And then, and then you go through all that stuff. So you're still, it's not therapy, but it's like bro therapy. You're right. just yeah. talking through stuff and funny stories. And then I got out. I didn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. And I was And like, what year was that? Was that 06? 2006 okay. is when I came home, yeah. For good, this is... Yeah, I got out in, yeah, 06. Stacy, my wife, graduated college the same year. So when I got out, when she graduated, we went to Europe for like a month, three mm. weeks, a month. Oh, nice. And just backpacked. Like we did Spain, Portugal, all the places I missed at Liberty Ports, we yeah. did. That's <laughs> awesome. It was, that wasn't the plan, but that's what we did. Like we did Spain, Portugal, Morocco, Gibraltar. It was cool. And that was also like a, okay... I'm not there anymore. Yeah. I mean, we went to Tangiers, like a port city in Morocco, mm. which is straight up like a Muslim city. And I was like, what are we doing? Yeah, here? right. Yeah. A little like, uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the marketplace got wild. And I was like, I can't, we, can, we got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. right, right. It's just like, and that would be overwhelming for a was, lot of people. Would you say that's anyway. PTSD or you just are like so used to being in that previous environment that it was tough being in that? I think it was tough being in there by myself with someone I love that wasn't like another Marine. Like right, exactly. Kind yeah. of like, what if, some, in my head I was like, it's likely nothing happens. Right. What if something does happen? Right. And I just couldn't, like, eh, it does not compute. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we, well, I mean, we checked out a little bit more and then we left. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I, and I think, I don't know, I heard it on a podcast at one point that a lot of, especially combat veterans like like the infantry and the, those kind of guys. It's not post-traumatic stress. It's like a lack of traumatic stress because you're so keyed up on things and so ready to go on things that when there's nothing, your brain creates nothing. You're like Not nothing. Your brain creates things. Yeah. It's just like... 
So it's like creates scenarios that are not and it's, real. And then your anxiety comes up. And right, it's right. Like, oh, God. Yeah, but then you hear about guys that get out and like go into law enforcement right away. Yeah. Or go into like firefighting or mm-hmm. something. And it, you get that. So they still have that. Yeah. They're, and they're yeah. successful in it. Mm-hmm. There's guys that go into it and they're very unsuccessful. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's double-edged sword. But yeah. like I got out. I had nobody. I found a bottle. The barracks is... You need somebody to drink with on any night, on any day, at any given time, you can find somebody. Right, yeah. yeah. When I got home, I kept drinking like I was in the barracks. Mm-hmm. And, like, Stacy had just graduated college. So a lot of our friends and, like, my friends from Summers, like, yeah, they drank, but not like that. Yeah. A couple of them did, but I always tell myself, like, well, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna do that. Like, yeah. yeah, you're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. You're yeah. living that life. Like, yeah, shut up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, at the time, I was like, Nah, that's that's not me. That's mm, not yeah. me. And it was like a couple years, I think two years after I got home, and it was like, No, this is this is bad. Yeah. How how often were you drinking? Every day. Every day. Yeah. Like, were you blacking out? Uh, I wasn't blacking out every day. There's a good chance, but not like. I just. It got to the point where it wasn't even blacking out. It was just, that was just how I lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, like I would work and I wouldn't drink at work. And uh, at one point I had a boss that was fine with it. Mm. So like you'd go out and we were doing landscape and construction, general contracting stuff. And you come back to the shop and like, you don't want to be the one guy that doesn't open a beer. Right. You right. Know? That's just the culture. Yeah. Or, I mean, it was in that shop. Mm-hmm. Later on, I still worked for them. And my wife was like, my girlfriend at the time was like, hey, you need to figure your shit out. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't be around this. This is crazy. Right. Now, were you drinking to, like, numb the yeah. feelings and emotions? 100%. Gotcha. Because yeah. okay. I, I, I had a similar drinking issue where I, w- I wouldn't really drink so much during the week, but on the weekend, I would, I would black out. Yep. And I would always drink to feel better about like my emotions, mm-hmm. like to mask whatever I was feeling. I just used that alcohol, but I became someone that I really wasn't. Yeah. And like I would be life of the party. Yeah. But it's like that wasn't really me. I was basically putting on a face because I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, that's alcohol for a lot of people is okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it is what it is. And I, that's, I was just numbing everything. Yeah. It was, there's so much going on in my head that I'm just going to turn my head off. Right. I'm just going to, I'm not hearing it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, I mean, of course there were times where I went that far and I, I would black out. But if you ask me, no, no, I didn't black out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I was probably still drunk at that point. Yeah. And it, like, she was like, you need to figure this out. And that was kind of like a wake-up call? Yeah. My mom did the same thing. My dad never said it, but it was like, he's like, yeah, they're right. Yeah. And I was like, can you believe Stacy mom said it? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, so, I just, it's weird. It's weird. I just stopped. Yeah. Like, I didn't. And a twelve step, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an accountability buddy. My accountability buddy was like myself. Yeah, and I was just like, no, I'm done. Yeah. I don't need that right now. 
and I didn't have a set like I'm stopping forever. I didn't yeah. have a when I accomplish this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. I, I can start again. Yeah. It was just kind of like, I don't need it. So I, I went back. When I got out, I went to school for a semester, and I was like, no, I can't do Not this. Not for you. Yeah. No, yeah. I can't. And then I was like, well, I need to do something when I started over again. And I started classes at his non-talk. I met John there. Yeah. Yeah. And like I went through that, and then I went to CCSU. And I think... At CCSU, was I there? No, I was at us Nuntuck. So Stacy and I got married in 2009. And it was like a month before our wedding. And I, everything had kind of lined up. I had checked all these boxes. And I was at dinner one night with my mom. And I was like, I think I'm going to have a beer. And she was like, are you sure? Well, was that like red flags to like Stacy and your mom? or? No. Not really. I mean, it could have been, but it wasn't, like, voiced. Yeah. But my mom was definitely like, are you sure? Like, I... Yeah. You've been... This is... You're at, like, month 20. Yeah. Like, what are you... Yeah. And I was like, no, I think my... Because, like, I went to counseling. I found running. Yeah. Like, I just started doing all these healthy, positive things. And then she was like, okay. Mm. And, like, I, I drank it at dinner. And then it was just like... All right. And then I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. And there's been times where I'm like, you know what? I'm just, you know, I'm just, I need to stop for a while. Yeah. Stop for a little while. I did like the, you know, 75 hard challenge. Yeah. yeah. Like I did that last year. And that, I mean, that, it wasn't part of it. I mean, that was part of it. It's part of the challenge. But it wasn't like, a, I need to stop drinking. So I'm going to do this. It was yeah. Just right. kind of like, oh, you know what? Hey, that's, one of my buddies, I was telling him about it. He's like, oh, you got to stop drinking for 75 days? So it was like, yeah. yeah. And me not thinking that was a big deal was like a check for me. Like, all right, we're in a good spot. Right, right. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know. Well, the social norm is people drink. You know, if anybody doesn't drink, you know, then it's like. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Like, I feel weird. Like, when I'm all people and everyone's having a drink, they'll ask me, I'm like, Nah, I'm good. But yeah. like it just it's, it makes me feel, yeah, it makes me feel weird yeah. where I'm yeah. like like yeah. oh, well, what do you want? Like what yeah. do you like? I'm like I don't like anything. That's why I don't yeah. drink. You know what I mean? Like, I like being healthy. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, I don't know, like I don't yeah. know. I like I yeah. know. you know, it's There's just a, it's um Jocko. Yeah. Jocko, Jocko just had a podcast with uh what's his, his Echo Charles. So that that guy Echo stopped drinking. Mm. So they just had this whole podcast on it and they were talking about it and he was like you know what I found is it's strange that if you go out and someone's like, hey, do you want a drink? It's you get left alone faster if you say, no, I don't drink. Right. Then you do. And you're like, no, not tonight. Like, I'm not feeling Because as soon as you say that, they're like, oh, I have an in. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm going to break you. That's yeah. my goal. And it, it, it's tough because I can always tell that I'm like one bad night away from just being like I, I would never plunge into what I was yeah, yeah. but it just being like oh, this is too much mm-hmm. yeah and I think our schedule is so crazy with three kids and oh yeah. Like, yeah it's just you gotta be sharp every day <laughs> and that's I, I like it yeah I mean it, being busy is it's kind of that lack of traumatic shit like lack of shit like we are go 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 all yeah. the time yeah 
And it's like, okay, my wife makes the plans, I execute the plans. Like, yeah, it's just right. what we do. Yeah. And that, you know, there's always a few nights, a couple times a year, that you like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that extra beer. And you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, man. Yeah. But it's not like, you're not hungover, you're just yeah. like, eh. Sluggish. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then right. like 20 minutes later, a cup of coffee, you're fine. But right. you just yeah. wake up, you're like, yeah. This is crappy. Why do I do that? Yeah, yeah right. Like, exactly. Yeah, whatever. So that's like what starts those. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm good for a while. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Stacy turned me around. That's <laughs> huge, man. It, it is. And so you, you mentioned how running was like your outlet, part yeah. of your healthy outlet. Can you kind of just take us back to when Eddie started to kind of resurface in your mind and you kind of bridge that? I need to restore a relationship with Eddie yeah. and I'm going to do it through running to help him. Yeah. So I it was 2008. I stopped drinking and I, uh, started running. Like I needed to find something else to do because yeah. I'm not going to the bar. Yep. Yeah. I'm not pre-gaming to pre-game. Like I, I need something to do. Right. So I soapstone right up. The oh street. yeah. Oh yeah. I would go there and just like, hike the trails and walk around and just hike the outdoors because it's so healthy. And one day I was like, yeah, I think I could probably run this. Mm-hmm. So I ran it. And then the two days later, I was like, I think I could run it faster. Yeah. And I ran it. And then it just kept going. And then it, wow. I think I could run farther. And I kept running farther and farther and farther. And it, it ended up being like my release, my, my therapy. Yep. Yep. And, you know, my dad was a minister. And there's nothing against the church. You know, I, I love our church. I love the congregation. But that was never, like, my thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. My dad and I, he passed away a few years ago, but it, it's he and I had multiple conversations about it. He's like, I know. It's not here. Yeah. Like, he's like, trust me, I'm fine with your relationship with God. Like, there's no issue. That's yeah, good. Like, That's like good. Like, my... Yeah. My church is in the woods, like mm-hmm. in the mountains, yeah. or even running down the road. It's right. just a chance for me to get a clear head, a clear mind, a connection with God, a connection with my past, a mm-hmm. connection with whatever. You know, yeah. it's people are like, oh, I, I don't know if you want to have these uncomfortable conversations. Like, please, I already had them with myself. Yeah, right? like, you, you ever, need you to. ever run without music for 10 miles? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Even five miles. Like, yeah. you just, you go through everything. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Yeah. it's just my therapy. It always, I mean, working out has been, it ebbs and flows. But yeah. for the most part, it's been running. And So, like, through running, it started almost like your healing journey. That was my healing journey. Okay. Yeah, and it, it got to the point where like I realized that it had helped me so much that I wanted to find a way to help somebody else. I love it. And I I knew Eddie was in New York and I don't I have no excuse why. I don't know why. I just could never reconnect. Mm-hmm. Just a couple hour drive. Right. And when I, was the last time you had spoken to him up until that point? When on deployment before he flew out yeah gotcha okay. like not right before he flew out right like, yep. so he was on our base at one point and I talked to him there and then he went gotcha yep. and okay. so I hadn't seen him since 2005 and so it's like eh, I don't know if I'm ready yeah 
I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's so much that I didn't know because I didn't ask. But I, it came to the point where like, all right, I want this to help someone else. There's no one better than Eddie. Mm-hmm. And I know that the VA isn't covering all of his medical care. Which is bullshit, by the way. Yes. So I want to do something. Not as like a... No, not like a sorry, I haven't been here thing. Because he he was just happy I came. Like, reconnected. And it was just kind of like a here. Like, we, the Marines, like, from 3-2, like, we're still here. And there's been other guys and his sniper platoon guys, they take care. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of communication there, which is awesome. Um, and Timmy and Kevin, who ran with me, I snaked them into running ultras uh, just by chance. Mm-hmm. Like, I talked to Timmy, who I grew up with, his brother, and it was like, he was getting into running. I said, well, come run with me. Like, when do you run? I'm like, 4.30 in the morning. He's like, the hell <laughs> why like uh, at that point it was 5 30 i was like because i work at seven so yeah. like i run for 45 minutes and then i go or i work at eight so i'll run for a little bit longer it's like where do you run it's like, oh, state forest it's like, at that time I'm like yeah just put a headlamp on you're fine yeah and it was like okay That's awesome all right yeah. but it like i started to get it started with just hill repeats, mm-hmm. just running up and down Soapstone Road, mm-hmm. like the paved side and the back side. Yeah. So I started, I got like a collection of like, I think at the peak, there were 10, maybe 12 people there mm-hmm. at 5.30 in the morning. Wow. And nice. none of them wanted to be there. You're right, except right. Me. <laughs> and like awesome. Kevin and Timmy secretly, but they were like, God, like Tommy, he came a couple of times, like, it was too early for this shit. So like, I agree. Yeah, yeah right. But, I don't have any other time in the day because when I was running, it was a little different earlier on. But once I had our oldest, once my wife had our oldest, I yeah, you were there. I, you helped create. I, I was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, needed your egg. I made the decision. <laughs> Sorry, I made the decision that I didn't want any of my training to interfere with our family time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I feel too. So I did it all in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or I did it at night. Yeah. Or when we just had my oldest, I would run hill repeats during his nap time with him and the Bob. Just up and down, up and down, really? up and down, up and down, up and down. And he, I don't think he remembers doing that, but he did it, I don't even know how many times, just up and down, up and down. And then Kevin, we started talking about running one day. I told him about it, and I promised him and Timmy, actually I promised all of the guys they came, donuts. It's like, you guys come, you run, you get donuts afterwards. <laughs> and they were like, what kind? Yeah. yeah. Apple cider donuts. And they were like, all right, we're in. And they, <laughs> Those are they damn started, good. Yeah. So they, they started to come. And then eventually, like, the pack kind of dwindled down. It was just me, Timmy, and Kevin. And Pete Ouellette would come occasionally. Um, he ended up, kind of took my spot at the end, like, switched out. Mm. Um, a couple other guys would, Dave Eldridge for a while came and we talked about everything. We mm. talked about silly business plans. We talked, some days we talked about nothing. We just ran. Mm. Yeah. It was just like, check the box, see ya. Yeah. So then we started doing, that was on Thursdays. Then we started 
running further and further. I got them into to do a 50K with me, which is 31 miles. So they did that. And then I was like, I'm signing up for a 24-hour race, this Anchor Down Ultra in Rhode Island. And they were both like, ah. Kevin's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll do it. Tim, all right, we'll do it. So we ran that one. Kevin ran over 100 miles there. I ran 82 and like, I don't know if it was a fracture or a sprain, like this weird thing I didn't know existed in my foot. And so I ended at 82. I don't remember what Timmy did, but I know he ran it the next year and ran even further. Um, so they were into the ultra and the long distance stuff. And one day I just threw it out there. I was like, I think I'm going to run. And they had heard the story about Eddie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they knew that I wanted to connect with him, but like just couldn't figure out how and... And I just... There was, like, something holding you back. Yeah, I just... I mean, it was guilt. Yeah. It was a lot of guilt. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, you talk about survivor's guilt, but it wasn't... I wasn't... I wasn't there when he got hurt, so it was just kind of like... There wasn't anything I could have done. Sure. But I just felt guilty. And I feel a lot of... I still feel it. um, For a lot of guys that we were there with, it was just like... I don't... Nobody knows why. Yeah. yeah. So I, it took me a long time to come to terms with that. But that was what was holding me back from seeing Eddie. So I pitched it to him one day. I was like, hey, I'm going to run to Lake George. where Eddie Which is 145 miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's no small task. Yeah. Yes. But I was like, I'm, I'm doing it. And I'm going to call his parents. And I was like, well, first I'm going to run it by my wife. And then I'm going to call his parents and see, like, if they're on board with it and really reconnect yeah. to begin with. And I don't know if it was at the end of that run or the next run that Kevin was like, hey, if you'll have me, I'd love to run it with you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And now I don't... That, did that ease, like, your mind a little bit to have someone else there with you doing it kind of like yes and no it was kind of like yeah now I have a partner but it was like oh shit now I really need to like, do this that's, what, that's yeah. what I was gonna ask you like did it also wasn't like oh fuck like no like, it was <laughs> see that's the kind of pressure I like yeah, like, yeah. I build that's I ran a 50 miler and it, it I did a film about my transition like military transition but like who runs their first 50 miler their first real ultra and like has a camera crew come Right, that's right. pretty cool. Though. This like, dick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have to do it at right. this point. I don't have a choice. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like, I the tank run, and we didn't have a name for it yet. It was just kind of like, mm-hmm. we're gonna do this run. We're gonna go and Timmy. So who's taping it? It's uh, he wrestled at Springfield College with my brother in law Tommy. It's uh, Tim O'Donnell. He has also he's been on sports center like the what is it 30 for 30 or yeah, yeah. Yep. so he's he's done stuff on that he shoots for sam adams he actually shot our um my wedding video oh awesome that's how like we knew him through tommy right. but that's how we i really that's got cool. to know him yeah. so i i texted him or i called him one day i was like hey i'm gonna run this 50 mile race and i have this little you know bs flip cam you have some tips for like what i should do to create footage because I'll I feel like maybe I'll throw something together for my buddies. Yeah. Be like, hey, this is what worked for me. And he was like, Hold on. Can you give me like a day or two? And I was like, Yeah, sure. He calls me back. I think it was the next day. He's like, I'm gonna shoot your film. 
And I was like, what? We're going to do a film? He's like, if you want to, I have um, Nick Palmashano, who used to own Ranger Up. I think he, I don't know if he still owns or like a, is a veteran t-shirt company. Mm. Really successful. And now he owns like a media company. It's like, yeah, we'll back your film. So t- I was like, yeah, that would be That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So we just, it worked out. And then Timmy and Kevin were on board for the tank run. And after I talked to everybody else, I was like, hey, we're running to Lake George. And he was like, dude, this is like. Yeah. That's cool. This is because, yeah, it was. Let me table that one for a second. <laughs> Let me finish Kevin and Timmy. And I, so they were both on board. Stacy was on board. So I called, um, I like, the Ryans were difficult to track down. But one, they had moved. Mm. So they moved to Lake George. And uh, I, I couldn't quite find a phone number for them, and I think that's by design. And so I, I figured out a way to track it down. Mm. And I called. And Angie answers. She's like, hello? It's like, hey, uh, my name's Noah Cass. You probably don't know who I am. I was in the Marines with Eddie, and I have an idea that I want to run by you, and I want to do a fundraiser for Eddie. And she was like, yeah, you know, uh, we don't really do yeah, <laughs> stuff in the past or whatever, and I imagine there's probably a lot of people that get in touch with them. That mm-hmm. are like, Not just them, but anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I think this is different. Like, I, I'm different. Like, mm. this is, yeah. I, please don't say no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, this is, and I was like, I want to run. I want to do a run for him. She was like, oh, that's nice. Like, what kind of run? I was like, from my house to yours. She was like, what? <laughs> Where do you live? I yeah. was like, I live in Connecticut. And she was like, okay, Noah, yeah. uh, let me talk to Eddie. Yeah. And let me talk to my husband. And I'll give you a call back. Mm. And I was like, okay. Now, did you think from her reaction she would be calling you back? Yes. Okay. I knew she okay. would call me back. Okay. I did not know what she was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was the next day. It might have been later on that day. But mm. Like my phone rang. and I, Hello. She's like, okay. Um, we're on board. Tentatively. It's mm. like, Eddie, of course, Eddie remembers you. He wants, you know, he wants to meet up. He wants, so, and, you know, we want to meet you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right, that makes sense. (laughs) 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 I get it. So so I was like, in my head, to this, like, this Hollywood-esque, like, not rekindling, but, like, reconnecting. Yeah, yeah. Those two veterans that haven't seen each other since the war. Right. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to run there down, like, the main drag. And yeah, the yeah. first time I see him, it's like, yeah, that's not possible. Yeah, right. Like, it's yeah. just not. So I went up with my wife and kids and met his parents, hung out with him for a day, and we talked about it, and they were like, you were out of your mind. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, you have our blessing. And, sure. Well, so it, it, I didn't know how big it was going to get. And I set the first goal, like 1500 bucks. Mm. I was like, I'm going to raise 1500 bucks for a buddy that I was in the Marines with. And I'm running from summers to Lake George. And I put out like a Facebook post mm. and we hit 1500 in like a day. And I was like, okay, yeah, we yeah. got a 
go up a little bit yeah. on this. So I like created a Facebook page, created all this stuff. Yeah. And then like I'm talking to his parents and I said, I think there's going to be more money than like, than I really first thought. I said, I'm going to create an account because we're going to have expenses for the run, but I'm going to create an account and I'm going to put money in there. And I'll show you whatever happens. You get statements and they're like, yeah, whatever. Like we trust you. Mm-hmm. That. So it was fifteen hundred, and then I was like five grand, and that took a little while. And then we hit that, and I was like, I think the run was a couple days away, mm-hmm. and like we hit ten, and I was like, okay, yeah, wow, all right. Uh, and I just left it at ten. I'm pretty sure I left it at ten, and was like, whatever happens. It, it ended up being like fourteen thousand oh dollars. My God! Just in donations online. Yeah. And part of that was like tax purposes because I I wasn't a nonprofit. Right. Right. Um, like charitable gifts, you can only do so. And I'm not a tax guy, but I, like, yeah, right. I don't know. And from what I read, I was like, oh geez, I'm like getting into trouble here, yeah. transferring money around. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to start a nonprofit at that point. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like maybe I should. But I didn't know what I would do after that. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. So Kevin and Timmy the whole time were like, we're running. We're doing two-a-days, like early one morning, late that so night. So you really trained for this. We really trained. I don't even know how many miles we put in like that. So and, you were ready. And we were doing it all before the kids were awake. Yeah. yeah. Or after they were asleep. Right. We, so there was one night I drove. I forgot. We had something with like our family. We did something. And I met them at the track at Fermi and ran uh, 30 miles on the track. <sighs> like, on the track, yeah, dude. That is brutal. Like just but, around and but around. But in training for the, the anchor down a couple uh, the year before, I purposely trained on the track. Yeah. Just, I mean, the, the course is a little bit bigger. It's like, I think it's just under two miles. But... I purposely did it just to beat my brain like yeah. into the dust. Because it is yeah. so boring. And it was like, I'm going to run for an hour this way and then an hour that way yeah. and then an hour that way. Yeah. And then, and occasionally I'd be like, God, I need to like, and at the summer schools, I'd just like do a loop of it and then go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, so we would meet and we met one night at the summer's track and ordered a pizza. And then the guy was like, you want it at the track? Like, yeah. And like, All right, whatever. We did that, and we trained for it, and we got back together, like, ready to go. And, yeah, it was over $10,000, and I had a ton of cash, just like Kevin uh, was when he was doing the, um, I can't think of the name of it, the wood Woodworks. Um, oh, yeah. I can't think of their name. But they, they did, hit like, tables and mm-hmm. all sorts of woodcrafting. He built the box to put the cash in to give to the Ryans. Like oh, he, nice. He, so it was That's his cool, his cool. cool way yeah. to yeah. Like be his piece of it, which yeah. really meant a lot. I know it meant a lot to them and to me. Um, yeah, and we just trained and trained and trained and trained, and Tim came on board, and had like I pitched it. He was like, yeah, dude, we will be there, and rented a van. My The guy that drove the van, Tommy, came... He was like, I'm coming. Like, this yeah. Is, yeah. I want to be a part of this. It's cool. So he came in. My uh, my good friend that, like, the other meathead when we were in, like, lifted weights together, Garrett, <laughs> he drove up from Virginia and drove um, the van for us. That's awesome. And so it, w- it was cool to, like, reconnect with him on this big thing, share it with Timmy and Kevin, 
How was the actual experience like running? Like, did you guys experience anything that you weren't really planning? So, uh, yeah. So (laughs) it was like, there's so many variables. There's there's so much that can go wrong. And like, we drove the the route before. And there were a couple of spots that we were like, oh, we can't go down there. We got to go this way. We got it. So we changed it a little bit. There was, there were some cool parts. There was a lot of cool parts. There were a lot of low points, but I think one of the best parts of the whole experience was clicking my watch and running out of my driveway and just being like, looking at Kevin and Timmy and being like, "This is all we have to do for the next three days." Yeah. Like as crazy as this whole task is. This is all we need to do. Right. Yeah. We just need to keep moving. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like work doesn't matter. Yeah. To an extent. Like our like family lives didn't matter. Of yeah. course they motivated us. Right. It's like right. this is all we need to do. Yeah. And there's only so many times in your life when that happens. And yeah. It was just like This is what you're solely focused on. Yeah. This is it. Mission yeah. focus. Boom. Go. And then we got to like Westfield. <laughs> and I was like it was going to be a long day. <laughs> like the first day we did 70. We actually stopped like a mile and a half short of where we wanted to stop. Just Kevin and I outran the van. Mm. And we, we were getting into Adams and North Adams Mass. Like the sun was going down. The sun had already gone down. We didn't have lights. Yeah. We were like getting down into the main strip. I'm like, mm. I don't. I'm going to just call it here. Like, we we got to the city we wanted to get to. We're good here. There's some hills going up there, man. Dude. It I actually, like I have a location up there that I covered up in Adams. And it's, it's riding up there. I'm like, fuck this. So <laughs> we, yeah, and we did all back roads. Yeah. So it's like, a lot of them were dirt roads. Some yeah. of them used to be paved. Now yeah. they're dirt. Like, it, it's, there was one, I wish I remember where it was. Like, we had been climbing and climbing and climbing. And I, I was like, I'm pretty sure when we drove it, this is where it was like a plateau for a little while. Mm. No. We <laughs> take a left and we look. Full sun. The, the road was yeah. full sun. And it, it was like being at the base of 190 and looking up towards a hospital. I was yeah, like, yeah. this is Jeez. insane. <laughs> you know, why are we like, I don't right. know why we're doing this, but. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we went. And we just kept going and having Kevin and Timmy was like, it was great because we did kind of a run walk thing that we've all, Kevin was more of like a one speed, just go. Yeah. And I've always used, especially for long distance, I'll do like a run for 25 minutes, walk five. And then when that gets a little too rough, you do run 20, walk 10, Mm -hmm. 15, 15. I never go below 15, 15. And that's for anything like I'll run a marathon. But anything really over that that's runnable, I'll break it up like that. And there were That's just kinda like to save your legs. Yeah. yeah. To save my brain. It's just yeah. like I need to change it up a little bit. And then you eat and you let your right. food settle and stuff. On the so the first day was seventy something miles and the Which van missed us a couple of times and I'm like there was one point where all three of us clearly needed the van. Like, we were right. out of fluid. Like, we had no hydration. Yeah. We were hungry. It was hot. And we were on old State Route 9. And they were on State Route 9. And you could see through. 
And I'm like on the phone with him. They're like, yeah, dude, we're almost there. And I watched the van go by on State Route 9, not old State Route. I was like, no, you're not. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I just watched you. Like, yeah. you have to get, they're like, we see it on the map, but there's like, you can't get, like, oh, we're here. Yeah, you right. Can, they're like, all right, we'll figure it out. And then they showed up, but it was like, that's, this is not the time. Yeah, They right. were on top of it so much. That there, I have no complaints. It just added to the experience. Tommy right. and my buddy Garrett, we would pull up or we would run up to them, and they would have the doors open, blasting reggae, like yeah, the party. And like, That's oh. awesome. And uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> there was a lot of like the second day, one of them I won't name them, was uh, had like a fox skin loincloth. <laughs> So we're in the middle of, yeah, like it just covered the front. I, it might have been a jock strap, but it was Fox. So we're running through the middle of nowhere in New York. And all of a sudden we hear like behind us and the van rips past. Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> I almost said it. They, they start running next to us and we look over and it's just in a loincloth. Like, oh my God. And the van just kept going. There's cars coming. That is just, amazing. Uh, so it broke it broke it up like at one point kevin put on a purple wig yeah and like a flame shirt with uh gold elvis sunglasses yeah just funny stuff yeah just to just try to break yeah and the second day uh i forgot how far into it we were but kevin and i timmy kind of like overheated early on he was still carrying over some dehydration from the day before and Kevin and I were like, all right, we're going to go. We're going to meet you guys at this city, you know, work out whatever you need to. We're good until there. It was probably just over 18 or 19. It might have been 20 miles that we ran, like, the whole thing. And so whenever he was in a high point, mm-hmm. I was in a low point. Yeah. And then we flipped. And I was like, Lord help us if we end up like both yeah. in the low point. Yeah. yeah. But it would we'd be cruising and he'd be like, Hey, we need to slow down a little bit. I'm like, I can't, I'm feeling it right now. We mm. just need to go. I'm sorry. And he was like, It's fine. Yeah. Twenty minutes later, I'm like, dude, we get he's like, Nope. No, no, no. Yeah. Don't you do that. <laughs> like, That's great. Okay. Yeah. And then the end of the second day, I had I had chafing like oh, I've never God. had. Mm. Like and they were like, oh, did you use, like, the cream, the ointment and stuff? It's like, dude, I never use that stuff. Like, yeah. You've never done this before. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. You've never run three marathons one day and then over two the next day. Right, yeah. Like, your body is getting chafed in weird spots. Yeah. And I was like, I never used any of that stuff. And luckily, we had tons of it in the van. Right, yeah. I, I just never used it. Yeah. So I took, like, it came in, like, a little container i just emptied it into my hands just yeah. like all of my and i like waddled for a little while and i was like it's gonna hurt if i walk or run so let's just run yeah we yeah. ran and finished the day and then the next day it didn't hurt at all it was wow. weird hmm. but yeah and then the the last day my boss came up with her husband and some of their friends they're big endurance people yeah was um, there like a lot of motions in that last day yeah yeah so we the night before, we actually stayed in Lake George. So the first night, we stayed in Adams or North Adams. The second night, we had a hotel in Lake George. So we were close enough. We were only 13 miles away at that point. We drove up. We had dinner with 
the Ryans, all oh, of our okay. families were all at this place, nice. the, the old log in. If you're ever in Lake George, go to the old log in. Okay. And uh, we had dinner with all of them, and the energy was just through the roof. Yeah. So the next morning. So you, we it like, was like a piece of cake. The next morning, it, we creaked for like the second morning. We creaked for, I think we walked for two miles before mm. we started running. Yeah. That last day was a half marathon. I think we probably walked a half mile, and then we were just like, boop. Yeah. And then we ran. And we stopped three miles, not even three miles, probably two miles short so we could get the police escort to, like, shut the road down so we could run in. And I was so amped up Mm -hmm. waiting. And, like, Stacy came with uh, the kids. And they they had, like, the uh, sheriffs had the MRAP, like, the big armored vehicle. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I don't care about this. Like, I just, I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm shaking. I'm like, we just need to go. Yeah. But... The fire department hung like the huge flag over the center mm-hmm. of town. Yep. And they were legitimately, they shut down Lake George. And I had always kind of joked, like, that's what it was going to be. Yeah. And when it happened, I was like, oh, my God. Like, yes. Wow. So we came, we were running and kind of going. And the Lake George, like, softball and baseball youth programs, like, had a whole bunch of kids that came out. And ran with us to the end. That's my son came out. Rocky movie, dude. That's what it felt like. It was incredible. But at the same time, I didn't feel anything. Yeah. It was just like, this is so surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, if you drive into Lake George and you get into like the village center, it kind of goes up a little bit. Of course, there's a nice little elevation (laughs) gain. But like, and it was cool because you you drop down into the village and then as you're coming up, like the fire trucks were there and under the huge flag was just like Eddie. It was just front and center. And that wow. was just like what I focused on. And we were, we had run 140 something miles at that point, 43 and change at that point. And they had to, we had to slow down. The three of us had to slow down so people could actually run with us. Like we right. were so amped up that yeah. we were dropping everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we were like, dude, yeah. no, I'm throwing a, a six flat right now. Yeah. And right. <laughs> and I'm awesome. like, my son, he was, he was five at the time, four. I'm like dragging him. I'm like, all right, no, we need to enjoy yeah. this. <laughs> we, gotta, we, like, we run up and just, I think I was so dehydrated that I didn't have tears, but yeah. it's like, right, right. I wrapped Eddie in a big hug and he like, he's got a, super strong like his arms are so strong he like grabbed me in there and uh i was like i said i told you i was coming for you buddy i yeah. told you i was coming he's like i knew you would and it was like boom damn yeah. done yeah. and at the yeah it was like god that's fucking powerful it was yeah. so god. cool and they're like all these prior marine or marine veterans like they were in the crowd and they're yelling like Ooh, yeah. they're like screaming i'm like yeah, I love this yeah. shit. Yeah. This is incredible. And we get there, we wrap them up, and Kevin and Timmy, um, like we took a whole bunch of pictures and stuff. And I had the Eagle Globe and anchors from my. I took them off my dress blues mm. and I carried them with me the whole way. And when we got to Lake George, I gave one to each of them. I was like can't tell you can't like i don't yeah. remember what i said but it was basically like i can't call you a marine but like yeah these are what these are and where they came from and you guys have no idea like how much this yeah yeah to me and it was like i think we were so emotionally shocked yeah we were like wow hey, 
cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we took pictures, and then at one point it died down, and Kevin was kind of off to the side, and he was just like, Whew. yeah, just mm. so I, in the film. You see, he's got tears in his eyes, and I don't know how Tim didn't get me with tears in my eyes. I was like bawling at one yeah. point. Timmy was, and like, it was so powerful to be a part of that, and know how much it meant to Eddie, mm. but like his community to see the power of that community coming around him. I was like, dude, they don't even need me. Yeah. yeah. Like he galvanized. Right. Look at yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. And even if I gave him nothing, which I didn't, but like, even if I gave him nothing, I saw all of that. And I was like, I know that you guys know you have this community, but look at this. Like, right. This is incredible. Well, you definitely gave him something because then he wanted to train for, uh, he did train. Remember he's, <laughs> yeah, he's pedaling. That's awesome. So he, he had, um, was it Orange County Choppers? Like the, yeah. Yeah. So they built him a hand cart, like hand cycle. He did the Marine Corps marathon. I think it was the Marine Corps. He did a race with another Marine a few years before, but he had had strokes and setbacks. And so he couldn't quite, use his hand cycle but he could get one hand going yeah so a year on his alive day which was april 13th your live day is the day you should have died yeah mm-hmm. so i know like accident survivors military stuff like they celebrate it like another birthday sometimes even more so so the next year we kevin timmy and i went up and he just like we, it was freezing and we didn't quite know what we were going to do but he wanted to go with him like I want to do this mm-hmm. awesome yeah so we did a run together it was just like four boys running in Lake George along the lake yeah but his hand cycle it couldn't go all the way around there was something wrong with the crank but he would cycle and then freewheel it back and then cycle yeah his arms are so strong that when that gear gripped and he cycled forward it I was like it was pulling out of my hands I really was like, wow I'm going to, he's going to fly into the lake. Like (laughs) I was like ripping on the brakes Yeah, and he was just like, really? It's like, Eddie, you got to slow down. Yeah, Yeah. He was was cracking jokes. He was making fun of us. He was like, you guys, you're like tired. What's that? He called, Kevin had long, like the curly locks. He called them Goldilocks. So funny. And it was so cool for me to like see them become a part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, yeah, I mean, then they kept, like, COVID happened, but Kevin, we weren't sure what we were going to do after that, and uh, I think I said to you guys, like, before we started recording, like, after that run, I was so emotionally, physically just burnt out, just shot. Yeah. And then Kevin and Timmy were like, what do we do next? What do we do next? Yeah. What are we doing? And I was like, God, I want to do something, but I just... I don't. I wouldn't be wholeheartedly into it, and I, that wouldn't be fair to anyone involved. Right. And Kevin just, boom. Yeah. Starts a nonprofit, runs around Connecticut, like. Yeah. What? Yeah. And then, and yeah. then runs uh, the coconut like the two fifty, just mm-hmm. like, yeah. and he doesn't stop. He just keeps going and going yeah. and going and going and going. He just did. Your impact had a trickle effect, man. It's, yeah. God, yeah. I love it. I love seeing that. Just yeah. like, we got to get something going again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like, I can just see in him, 
and like talking with you guys and like yeah. just talking about it just makes me want to find something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just to focus on it. And it's a lot of what happened after the tank run was like my kids, like sports. Yep. And yeah. Life. Like exactly. Absolutely. Life gets in, the, not gets in the way, but life changes yeah, your of course. course. Yeah. Right. I Breaks just routines. Had to yeah. Step back for a minute and do that. Yeah. And now I'm figuring out how to juggle it all. Yeah. Yeah. You you know it's funny too is so we had met with Kev last December. Yeah. Or I should say I'm glad yeah. you're saying this because I was glad you're gonna say this too. And so he was talking about tougher than a tank and mm-hmm. the whole experience. And so he started getting emotional. Yeah. And so he's like, it was just such a unique experience. And he's like, when I went through that journey, he's like, I had to keep doing it because it was just so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And that's when he started two feet for good. Yeah. And so when I watch Tougher Than a Tank as a documentary, everybody needs to watch it. It was amazing. <laughs> I instantly texted Kev and I was like, and then I messaged you too saying, we got to do something. Yeah. Like we have to do something. You and Kev love to run. John and I just did a half marathon. Yeah, so awesome. you guys would crush us in running. <laughs> but we, we, I was, I was glad you didn't say John and I love to run. I was like, no, yeah. no, we don't, buddy. I don't know but, who we are, but, <laughs> but I think like that's something that, we could combine forces because what I like about how you helped Eddie raise funds for his like physical therapy is you knew where the money was going. Like you knew it was going to go to someone that would genuinely use it for something good. And I feel like that's something that we could all get behind when we find someone or something that we could, Hey, this is what we're doing it for. We just got to get that creativity. Yeah. There's strength in numbers in that, you know, for sure. sure. Sorry, yeah. Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Val. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this was awesome, man. Like this was like super captivating. Like yeah. just listening to you, man. I'm like just lost in everything you were saying this whole time. Um, a message to your fellow veterans on Veterans Day. Do you have anything you want to put out there for them? Yeah, there's uh, there's two things. I know we've been going for a while here. You're good, there's, man. There's like it's all two good things. stuff. So, as part of tougher than the tank, and then before that. The other, the last time I heard True Silence, like I speak in front of veterans groups and non-veterans and try to bridge that gap. And um, veteran suicide is like, it's rampant. Um, uh, just our company in September lost the guy to suicide. Like it's, it's a, it's a permanent solution to temporary problems. And it, it it's what gets me emotional <laughs> these mm. days. Like it's just... It's it's crazy. Like reach out to your brothers and, and sisters and or family or whoever that the suicide and crisis hotline what is nine eight eight. Like call it, use it. Like when I talk to veterans groups, I I came up with this analogy. It's like when we used to go on hikes. If you couldn't hack it, if you couldn't make it, or you had an issue, you were hurt, you were sick, whatever. You pass off your gear, right? You you pass it off. Here's my rifle, it's heavy. Uh, here's this machine gun. Here's my pack. Okay, eventually you're walking. It's just you walking with your, just you. Everyone else is carrying your stuff, right? And then, let's say something happens to you and you you have to quit or you, whatever happens, you stop. You get in the safety vehicle. Your stuff is still getting carried by all your friends. It's the same thing. Suicide, it, you're not taking all that with you right you're leaving it with everyone else all this well what the hell do i do with this what do i do with this but 
if you stay hiking, if you stay in the fight, you get all your shit back. And guess what? Now you can take somebody else's stuff. Yeah. And you keep going. You get to your objective. You keep pushing forward. So that's my suicide message. That's such yeah. an like, amazing yeah. metaphor, like the, too. The, Holy uh, cow. the other yeah. thing, I, I had like a, this whole spiel when I talked to veterans group, and it used to be like, Get fed, fitness, education, dog. I'm mm. like, that's stupid. I get fed. <laughs> so, like, the military loves acronyms, yeah, right? So, yeah. I came up with get ahead attitude, health, education, adaptability, dog. Like, like attitude, positive mental attitude. That isn't cheery, happy all the time. That's you acknowledging that eventually something positive is going to happen. It may not be life changing. It may be life-changing, but down the road, what you're doing is going to pay off. Now, you have to set goals for that. Yes. It's like a muscle. You have to work but it out, too. You have yeah. to work that positive mental attitude. And that this, this is what I learned in like that time where I stopped drinking and started doing things. What So this is what worked for me. It's not going to work for everybody, but even life transitions is something. Health. Got to stay healthy. Healthy mind, healthy body, healthy spirit. You know, you you talk about attitude. If you set a goal, I'm going to walk a mile today. You walk a mile, boom. Your attitude goes up. Your health improves. There's countless studies, countless, yeah. on my three quarters of a master's in, in <laughs> counseling. <laughs> like, there's so much out there, so much literature on how important it is to be active and healthy. And it carries over to all the other stuff. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Rewires all those neural networks that you think are dead. Like it just keeps them firing. Yep. Education. My dad, uh, he passed away New Year's Eve a couple years ago. I still get catalogs from him for like distance learning. My dad had a doctorate and he was still doing like distance learning and workshops through the church he had to. But after he retired, he was still doing these courses like and I see that, and every once in a while now, I'm like, man, whatever. But I, I'm i always trying to learn new things. Like nope. this whole Israel-Gaza thing popped off. Like, I, People ask me, I was in the military. I'm not a geopolitical expert. Like, right. I don't know. Yeah. Some people came in, stole some land. They want it back. No, that that's wrong. It's, I don't know. That. Right, yeah. So I'm like deep diving into this to understand what's happening. Mm. I, I don't want to hear it on the news. I want to read it. I don't want to be the dad that's like, no, I don't know. Yeah, right. And that's the end. I'm going to say, no, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Yep, yep. So getting out of the military, getting out of high school, maybe you need to refresh. Lifelong learning, whether it's college, a trade school, the babble, learn a language or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, just something you're interested in, something you're not interested in, learn it. Just keep reading. Keep podcasts help. Everything helps. Yeah. Keep evolving, yeah. Adaptability. Uh, This guy... Carl Monger runs a nonprofit, um, Gallant Few, and it's, it's focused more towards rangers and stuff. But he had a book, and I don't remember who he attributes the quote to, but it's, um, if the terrain doesn't match the map, you need a new map because you can't change the terrain. So it's like that has stuck with me as much as in that advanced machine gun course I did. This instructor that I thought was like, it was worthless but one day he said to me adaptive approach consistent results and I was like 
that's going to be yeah. Yeah. great yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. So you... Love that. My, yeah. I got out of the military with a big plan. Boom, gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did not last first contact. Yeah. Just disappeared. Yeah, right. And then my next plan, nah, that was even worse. And then, you know, you figure it out. Sometimes you don't even need a plan. You just need to keep moving. Right. Yeah. That's your plan. And eventually you'll figure it out. But you need to be able to adapt. Um, and a dog. Like there's... He's in a coonhound that's in the tougher than a tank. Boom. That dog undoubtedly saved my life like multiple occasions. Just like Stacy suggested I get a dog. So I got, I always wanted a coonhound. Mm-hmm. I got him. He was obnoxious. Everyone, his bark was obnoxious. I loved it. But you get out of the military or you get out of high school or you get out of a relationship, you, you have all these responsibilities, right? Especially the military, you have people watching over you doing every little thing and you get out you really have no responsibility you want to let yourself go to hell go ahead mm-hmm. you get a dog you got to walk the dog you got to feed the dog if that dog poops on the floor probably not the dog's fault right either a you didn't train it or b you didn't take it out Very of course true. there's mistakes but it forces you to be responsible and even if that's you know external responsibility for someone else ultimately you have to be disciplined to get up to do it right so and of course it's it's a dog like it's man's best friend yeah to go hiking with it but that's like the get ahead is what worked for me and some people have said they take bits and pieces from it yeah which is cool i love that yeah take something from it or don't for sure whatever so you know that's i'd like to start getting into talking again i had a kind of a gig for a while I did it for about two years I spoke monthly and then life yeah so I'm trying to circle back to that yeah for point. sure but yeah oh, this has been fun yeah yeah it's been awesome I said I want to you all you're going to jump no, no. in but yeah no, no. my gums for no man this is no, this is great, great. <laughs> you know honestly you know just, we just want to say thank you for coming on yeah um, thank you, the guys. impact that you've had you know again Tougher than a tank. Every, I want everybody to go watch it. It's truly inspirational. But it's on Amazon. It's on where else is it? The iTunes. Yep. And Pixella Pictura is the production house that did it. It's Tim O'Donnell. Uh, it's on their website. Too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Happy Veterans Day to everybody yes. out there. Thank we appreciate you. all you guys. Thanks.